Happy New Year, y'all. Welcome to State of the Matter. I'm your host, Stephen Wilkins, and this is a podcast brought to you by Plasma Magazine, where we cover Atlanta's underground DIY art, music, and culture. On this month's podcast, we have our extended interview with Elizabeth Jarrett and John Carroll of Transgression, the theater branch of Dear Bear Wolf. And today we're here to talk about uh, the next clue. Yeah. The next, the next clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess I I have a couple questions about how. First of all, uh, the kind of transgression, kind of it being like a lit reading, kind of immersive experience, mm-hmm. turned into actually like like full blown like plays and kind of theater. How that how that happened? Yeah. I'll give you the quick. Okay. Thirty second history. Transgression came about in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working on Deer Bear Wolf's first Phoenix Fest. Davey Miner asked me if I wanted to run the Deer Bear Wolf Literary Series. And I said, no. <laughs> and then I came back and said, can I do whatever I want? And he said, sure. <laughs> so then I was gotcha. talking to uh, Laura Relier, who's uh, done a lot of literary things in Atlanta, a lot of arts things as well. He was the executive editor of uh, Arts ATL for a while. And I was telling her about it, and she said, hey, you want to partner up and do something weird? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we launched the first one in January 2015, which was actually Clue. You know, Mm -hmm. that was the uh, the idea we had. And the point of it was to make um, the audience a part of the show, get them out of their seats, because normally literary readings where you're sitting in a seat, you're watching somebody read something, and maybe you clap your hands and grab a drink at the bar. So we wanted to move it around, make it more exciting. that was the general idea of it, and then, but we had no idea what beast we were unleashing, because yeah. then after that, we ran five that were literary in nature, and then the last one we did that was technically literary was uh, we built the Land of Oz on a farm, and after that, we were like, this is too insane. We need to be theater. And Elizabeth had worked with us um, since the inception of Transgression. And we just came to her and said, please help. <laughs> we, we need to be theater now. And she had, uh, I think you'd always, you, I think you knew. No, we I had already planned on that book. I was yeah. like, what? We, we, can do, we can have actors do this and yeah. like make it a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> because I think, uh, well, when we, <clears throat> so with Dear Bear Wolf, because we had, um, these kind of different sectors we had the literary um music uh visual art we, we kind of had people running um you know we had the magazine we had people running different people running kind of all aspects of these and so it was kind of just like everybody doing like what they wanted um and like creating their own sort of thing like under this umbrella um so we thought that the literary element was really important um and it was actually something that i my background's theater, so I didn't really know too much about the lit world. So, like, this idea of, like, um, of, like, lit readings where, like, people read um, their work, like, in front of an audience and people come and they sit, you know, and it's, like, essentially, like, a um, almost like a poetry reading. Um, that was, like, very new to me. I was very intrigued by that. And um, so, so when you guys, when we did Transgression, it seemed like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense. Like, you know, put it, like, on its feet and like kind of create the world for people to move in um yeah and i i do enjoy literary readings um like the traditional way 
Um, but it was really fun to kind of like watch that um, progress and like sort of evolve uh, through time with Johnny and Laura. And if you if you if none of this really makes sense, like how you would have an immersive reading, basically what we would do is we'd take over a space and we would put a writer in each room, <laughs> and then it, you would travel through the space almost like on a tour, mm -hmm. and you would stop in a room and someone would read you you know, a mm -hmm. seven-minute piece that would have to do with the overall theme of right. the event. So, you know, you'd have about five to seven readers, depending, and you would just move throughout the space, and they would more or less deliver a monologue. Right. And then it just became, you know, at first people were just straight up reading off their paper, and then we started, actors started participating yeah. even when we were still literary. And then after, you know, when you turn like a five acre farm into the land of Oz and people are just roaming around this world. You're like, yeah, th this needs to be a little bit more scripted. <laughs> I think too, yeah. like what the most, one of the most um, interesting parts of transgression or like one of my favorite parts, um, especially I, I did participate as well and perform like in the first couple iterations um, was that the performers um, actually wrote their pieces. So, there was like they had some agency over what they were performing um you know so johnny and lord would like assign a character and then um you uh as a performer would take that character and sort of expound upon it or write a new backstory or something that sort of is in the same vein of the original um literary intentions um and then perform that and that to me is really fascinating because then you have um you know uh sort of writers acting as performers and like there's like a, a line sort of that's being um like you know tethered um and i do like that and i think we, we we've tried to like kind of keep that um as part of it where the actors do sort of like have input on how their characters develop and all of that um so i think that's different it was a too. really interesting take on it because a lot of times we wouldn't even know what they were going to say because we would just do a run through and maybe if you if you wanted to ask us about your piece or share it with us and get some feedback we'd let you but we didn't require it so you know the one that um the second one that we did was called born under a bad sign it was all southern gothic lit <laughs> so you were uh you had eudora welty yeah. the ponder heart so we said heart. you're this character yeah. and um and what we want you to write is a backstory based on why you're misunderstood uh -huh. give us eight minutes on that we're going to get you a costume designer over here. They're going to put you in. We're going to build out a little space for you. And you just have fun with that. If we, it would, we were completely hands off. And, you know, if you had trouble with your piece, you know, we would give you ideas. But it was literally character, costume. Here's the direction of what you need to say. But it's all yours now. And yeah. uh, that was crazy. I mean, it, and everyone was always so amazing. No one ever half-assed it or phoned it in. They always brought good stuff <laughs> solid work stuff that would like blow your mind you're like, holy talented shit. people in this town definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah well, you know and you know when you put someone in charge of it and it's like oh i have to you know i'm responsible for making this good you know like it then it's then you don't yeah. have to ask yeah, it, if it right? sucks it's, yeah. it's on you man right <laughs> yeah we're just giving you the platform yeah, yeah. so how um uh can y'all compare like what y'all did for the first like like just literary reading of Clue to like this kind of uh, <laughs> you know interactive performance of it like yeah. any anything that that's the same and like it like it's completely different it's completely I think different. like the 
uh, we the the characters are the same mm-hmm. um for the most part and yeah. um and i think the we are doing it in a space that's similar um to the original space in that it's a house like a you know sort of a, a large um house and like using that space that way but i think in every other way it's very different okay yeah the first one was really interesting because you were moved through the house in groups of like 15 to 25 and we ran seven groups that night and you went through every room and the suspects would tell you why they didn't commit the murder and then at the end of it there's a uh, a deliberation room where you your group got to vote on who you thought who you basically who your favorite was and then they would come in and then they would give you like a two to three minute monologue mm-hmm. um as to why they committed the murder it's really basic but it's really fun and I mean, it was at the big house, mm-hmm. and it was insane because we had 150 people show up, and we had to move them through this house over the course of like three, four hours, and that was insane. There's a long line. Yeah. Um, and this one, you know, it, it's a fluid show, you know, and um, I think what makes this one really special, especially if you've ever attended a uh, any kind of transgression event, is this is one of the, this is the first one where we truly have multiple scenes happening at the same time. We've toyed with it before. We've had um, in the first Peter Pan, there was an option where you had to choose if you were going to listen to Mr. Darling or Mrs. Darling deliver their kind of monologue, their scenes. But in this show, there's a lot of different scenes happening. So in that scenario, do you, as an audience member, literally choose to go one door or the other? Is that? Yeah, we're probably going to put you on a track. Okay. We're actually, I mean, we're six weeks out from the show. Um, the we, show's written, we're in rehearsal, but in terms of that, like, we're tweaking that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's complicated technically, like, how right. <laughs> to get, you. it's like, <clears throat> this. it's an interesting set of challenges because you have to think from an audience perspective what makes the most sense. So, you know, if I'm assigned to a character or if I choose to go this way, so it's like, it's that, that whole other element of, like, adding um, sort of this... Uh, either like decision making on the audience's behalf or us making the decision for you and kind of like you sort of just letting go and trusting us that we will put you on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, this one's very different too because in the original one, it was, um, you know, each uh, character you experienced solo on their own. And in this one, all the characters interact with each other, they have relationships that are formed, you know, and the audience sort of gets to see the arc of those characters and their relationships together. Um, and that's really interesting as well, especially to experience um, so intimately with the, the right. with the characters where you're literally standing next to them mm-hmm. and kind of can see all these little nuances that they've worked mm-hmm. in like with each other um, through the rehearsal process. It's yeah. definitely the most immersive in terms of audience participation mm-hmm. because at no point in time are you an audience member sitting watching. Okay. You are literally at a party with these people mm-hmm. mingling and you're following them into rooms you might you know they'll have a scene in front of you in a room but you're standing there in the room with mm-hmm. them you're not you know you're not sitting in a seat watching them perform on a stage and so how many people are in each group as you're like going through the play is it uh, it's gonna it's around 20 ish 20 yeah okay. 20 per group um, i just always think of like the the movie clue mm-hmm. like when they're dashing from 
you know, mm-hmm. they're like explaining like the, you know, the murder as they see it or whatever, and they're running back and forth. And so I, just, I just imagine all these people running through the slot house. Yeah, we're, it's good. What's that? a scene that's like What's, going to yeah. kind of like teeter on, I mean, not as quite as crazy as that, right. but there is a scene that it just kind of all chaos goes for It's actually the whole thing is we're just playing Benny Hill and everybody's <laughs> yeah. going to run from nice. door to door. Yakety Sax <laughs> will be playing all night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how many times did y'all watch Clue in the process? I have not watched it. You've never seen okay, it? Okay, I have seen it, but okay. it's been years and okay, years. Gotcha. Um, it's been so long and I have, and I, it's been on purpose that I haven't watched it because okay. directorially I like want to, because we have an original script, I kind of want to uh, make decisions based on like how our script is and what our characters are and not necessarily the movie, but I do recognize that people love nostalgia and we actually, um, next week on the 15th, um, are doing, uh, Wussy Magazine is doing um, a clue screening at the plaza and we are hosting that with them. So With um, with characters. With characters. So you get to see if you come to this, uh, there's two screenings of it. Yeah. If you come to it, you'll see some of the characters. Yeah, the 8 o'clock is sold out, but there's a 10.30 show as well. But, um, yeah, so that'll be actually, and we, I will sit down and I will watch the movie then. <laughs> so, you know, if, I might work some stuff in. But, yeah, I think, like, this definitely stands alone, like, in terms of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's pretty uh, wonderful to always, like, have nods back to those kind of cultural, um, right. you know, phenomenons or staples that like clue is so like a cult classic right so mm-hmm. you know people kind of come with those expectations but you shouldn't expect the exact movie because it's not this is not very that. Different. <laughs> I mean, so emma emma yarborough and i were the uh, were the co-writers of of the show and we both watched it once beforehand i you know it's strange i did not grow up with clue really i grew up with plenty of other weird 80s movies you know better off dead and i grew up with uh I grew up with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, that was like I, that was like a family classic. But so anyway, I have I have Clue the movie on Blu-ray, <laughs> and uh, I need to go through the special features. So I watched it once. I've read up on a lot of stuff. Our show it just it operates very differently. Mm-hmm. You know, in the movie they are um, they don't know each other, quote unquote, and yeah. they're all they're using assumed names. You know, uh, in ours, you know, it's like. Colonel Mustard is Colonel Mustard. You know, he really is. And, I mean, all the characters are very different. Yeah, well, and it's also, like, how do you do better than Tim Curry? You don't. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, exactly. and you never will. Yeah. You, <laughs> you don't. You don't. Man. Yeah. Like, Tim Curry is... We actually, you know, yeah. You don't try. <laughs> you, don't you, try. you don't try to be Tim Curry, you know. No. So, but, yeah, there are some nods. We definitely yeah. have some nods to it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was, like, one of my favorite movies growing up. Uh, I watched yeah. that movie so many times. So, wait, I want to ask you, though, then. Mm-hmm. So... Does that make you like more in- excited to come see like a show that's sort of even if you know that it's not oh, necessarily yeah, mirroring? Like, I mean, they did right. such a great job with it as a movie, uh-huh. but I'm also interested to see like another interpretation of yeah. that. And um, I just I, I love murder mysteries like they're just so cool. Yeah. Um, and then when I found out y'all were doing it at the Swan House, I was just like, mm-hmm. yes. it feels like there is like this sort of uh, wave of like interest in murder and true crime and i think mm-hmm. it's always been something that people have been sort of intrigued by mm-hmm. um but yeah it's 
it, there's, I feel like everywhere I look, there's like something having to do with true crime somewhere, right. you know? Right. What do you mean? Murder. <laughs> Murder. Yeah. Um. And, and it's kind of the perfect, you know, play to do like as an interactive thing, mm-hmm. especially as we have like more murder mystery parties and you yeah. know, there is that kind of whole side to it um, of getting up and being able to walk around this place and it, you know, yeah. you touch, feel, and you're a part of it. So that's the thing that's with really transgression cool. as well is it's, since it's, since it's uh, site specific and we take you into places where you maybe have never been before or maybe you haven't seen it in this light. I mean, our last show was at the old Dante's Down the Hatch, which had been closed up yeah. for 20 years. So if you wanted to see this place, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hey, we're going to do a show in here. So sometimes I wonder, I'm like, do they just want to see Dante's or do they want to see the show? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't Both care. Good, you know? Yeah, show up. Um, Let's have fun. So I went to the second installment of it. Uh, at the treehouse. Wait. The one that was at Dante's Down the Hatch. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. That was number three. That was number three. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was just really cool because it was just so intimate, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then also, I hadn't been to underground in so long. I had no idea that it was just completely empty. I like know. This. I know. That was that was weird to be in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Worked out for us though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Dante's has been that had been empty for way longer than the rest of it. You right. know, because there was there was like um, some smaller businesses, and then when they the new people bought it, they just kind of kicked everybody. or like didn't renew everybody's lease, um, which is a shame. But I think it's for. Um, they're renovating it so um but Dante's you know my parents used to go there and like that was where they went and hung out because you know underground used to be the only place where the bars would stay open until four in the morning and so that's kind of where you went and partied and um you know my dad like would talk about Dante's all the time there were alligators in there and they used to like have really good jazz music so it was really cool to walk in that space for the first time I just remember like our first walkthrough of it it sort of being like cracked open and like a very dramatic like big door kind of hinging open and then there are like dust particles coming out with like streams of light coming in and you just walk in and it's like this old pirate ship and there's bottles all over the ceiling it's literally like they left it untouched it's just it was exactly how it was when it was open for Dante's and um yeah it couldn't have been more perfect honestly for that performance it's really interesting about that show is um we couldn't use the back because there had been a lot of, there had been water damage in the back of the yeah. restaurant. But hey, why not just take you up the stairs and go into underground and have a big sword fight? You know, yeah. that's what we did, yeah. you know? And uh, I think about like what that would have been like if we could have used the back of the restaurant. Yeah, it would have been different. It just would have been different. And that's like too, you know, um, why it's kind of important to be <laughs> um, able to sort of uh, be open to changing things and sort of be malleable because you know we go into these spaces that aren't used for the purposes we're using them for it's not their intended purpose to like be a performance space so you know sometimes things come up where it's like oh this doesn't make sense to have an audience back here or we can't have the actors back here or you know um you know how are we going to funnel people or get people up up some stairs at this moment um and and not lose momentum in the show so it's yeah it's an interesting challenge to like think about that and and how different like what space we use that could completely change the tra- trajectory of the show yeah it yeah. being like site specific yeah but it also makes it you know way more ni- unique because mm-hmm. this is the only way it could happen in here, yeah you know yeah um so how is the swan house affected like uh the writing or the kind of um 
How does the this one else like, kind of play a part into it? Yeah. Well, the one thing about it is, is um, so this show it it's, um, plays off the history of the house and of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, the show is set in night in January of 1934. We're very okay. specific about when the show actually is happening because <laughs> we play into uh, the history of what's happening in the world at that point in time. So, and it's set in that time. It is the house was built in what 1928. Yeah, right. It was uh, right after the great. Or the year before the Great Depression hit, I think, actually. Yeah, so it's very interesting <laughs> time in history. And so, yeah, it's a 1934 show, so the, the characters are dressed that way. And <laughs> the things they reference and the way they talk are, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that. And, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we've worked with the History Center before. We did um, the first installation of Peter Pan at the Margaret Mitchell House. Um, and we kind of wanted to continue to work with them because... You know, <clears throat> I've lived in Atlanta all my life, and, like, I haven't really been to the History Center that much, you know? It's, like, I feel like that's um, a popular thing, like, when I talk to my friends, too, and it's, like, it's this really cool resource. They've got, like, a huge, like, archives library, and they've got um, amazing exhibits all the time. I think right now it's one on barbecue, which is really cool. Nice. Um, you know, and it's just like, it's a it's a cool place to go. And oh, the Cyclorama's moving there too. But it's a, it's a great place to go and like sort of experience history of Atlanta um, in an, a really interesting way. And I think that they also support a lot of um, uh, writers and um, literary people. So it's, it's, it makes sense to do an event like this with them. Um, and the Swan House, you know, we wanted to, we couldn't really see like anywhere else, I think, for this show to be done. Um, and it's, you know, coming from uh, 368 Ponds, formerly the big house, you know, ha that house is already amazing and beautiful. How do you like find another house that like sort of has mm -hmm. the same feel? And so it just seemed like a natural progression to move there. And because we do write everything, um, you know, basically uh, it's all original content, that plays a huge part in sort of how the show is shaped, where mm -hmm. it is, and what rooms we can use, mm -hmm. and and um, the layout of the house, and what happens where. Um, yeah, you definitely have a floor plan when you're writing scenes, when yeah. you're outlining yeah. it. You know, like, oh, well, the, here they have to go up the stairs, and you have to think, well, how long is it going to take for sixty people to go up these stairs? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to think about stuff like that a lot. You know, mm -hmm. and even even with Hook, we had to think about, okay, where we're taking. 65 people up the stairs, this old staircase up to underground, you know, how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. So um, it's fun. I don't know. Definitely have to be flexible on the problem solver to do this stuff. Yeah. Right. But, that's the, but the, uh, yeah, the location is always key for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And a huge part of the writing process, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, it's, um, I just, I, that's what I loved about the uh, the Dante's was just seeing it come alive. It was mm -hmm. like being in this place that I had heard about for so long. And so I'm really interested to see how what y'all do with the Swan House and that, and like how the how the space you know comes alive and moves and morphs into what y'all have written and stuff. We're excited for you to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think like anyone has experienced the Swan House like right. this, you know, ever. So. Oh yeah, so have y'all had time to actually rehearse in the Swan House yet? Is that? No. Oh no. Okay. Nope. <laughs> I was wondering about I that. Wish. This is yeah. a fun. I'll let you answer this question okay. of, how, of how our process works. Yeah, so our process is very interesting. Um, a lot of times with shows like these, 
you are able to rehearse in the space. Um, we, uh, because we choose places that would never ever have sort of any um, <laughs> uh, performance in them otherwise, we do not get to rehearse in the space um, <clears throat> until very close to when we open. So, you know, the reason being for the Swan House, for example, it's open every day. It's a museum. It operates mm -hmm. like any, any other business. It's open during the day. Um, <clears throat> there's also a lot of weddings there. We have to like work around wedding season, which is mm -hmm. also like <laughs> important to, like for when we picked when the show is going to be. Um, so there are all of these like sort of tactics we have to use um, to get the actors ready and comfortable so that by the time we do get into the space, they're sort of ready and, and like and um, they know their lines well enough and they know their blocking well enough um, and spatially kind of where everything is so that they can just be dropped into the space and you know have an audience in a couple days so um, you know that usually that first day we get in there it's kind of chaotic and I like try to run through as many times as we can just like very quickly like sort of the um, how everything moves um, but what I did this time is I like built um, uh, like a, a small um, model of like what the Swan House looks like so that they can see where we're going um, and when we're in different rooms and I can point and say this is this room and this is this room and I took photos and so I'm trying to prepare them as much as possible <laughs> but mm -hmm. it is quite a feat because you know that's a lot to ask of somebody to like you know learn kind this show and then blind, come in blind yeah the other side of it is is not only are you having to rehearse in a space, you know, or do a show in a space that you only get to see for three or four rehearsals beforehand? But then you have to do it with sixty to seventy people, right? And you can't really prepare for that in rehearsal because you really can't, you know, you're not going to get like sixty, seventy people. So we try to do some like dry runs, uh, mm -hmm. dress rehearsals with, you know, try to get ten, twenty people to come in. Yeah. <laughs> At least kind of fill the space out a little bit. Yeah. But until that opening night, you just really don't know how it's going to flow because you just don't know what it's going to look like when you have all these people there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, and then what are the people going to do mm -hmm. and how are they going to interact? And that's been kind of fun of like learning ways to embed rules into the script with telling people how to do something without really breaking, you know, the fourth wall per se. Right. You know, you're like, hey, don't go in there. You know, that's that's the office. You can't really say that. So you're like, oh, you know, hey. This is closed mm -hmm. off. You know, the bodies don't like people rummaging through yeah. their things. Yeah, know? that was the next thing I was going to ask was how, um, like, what are ways that y'all found out that, like, artists, or, um, excuse me, audience participation works, and, like, what ways, like, it doesn't? Yeah. Um, I think just uh, we have to be careful not to assume that people know things that we know, right? So it's, like, we uh, we know that like this scene happens here and the next one happens here, so naturally you would move from this room to this room, you know, and and you would think like oh if the characters are all moving then the audience will follow them. It's not always the case. Like you have to kind of set it up in a way that um, you're leading your audience um, without because we do want it to still feel immersive, right? So we, it's kind of finding sneaky ways to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So like how we sort of um, control the flow of the crowd or like where people are moving at what time and give them enough information so that they can um, sort of take clues, no, no pun intended, or was it? <laughs> um, and, uh, and sort of um, move through the space um, 
in the way that we've intended without us being there to be like, all right, now everybody move there and now everybody move there. And it's also like sometimes you have people that um, they hear uh, immersive or, um, you know, uh, they they see that there's no stage really and that they're with the um, the characters and they sort of, you know, feel comfortable enough to uh, interject or, you know, add their own lines or, you know, like make some of the actors uncomfortable. Like, you never know. The, you know, sometimes people um, will sort of uh, take it upon themselves to um, seize the opportunity to kind of uh, take the spotlight a little bit. Right. And so it's like, how do you deal with people like that, especially, you know, if there's alcohol involved, <laughs> you yeah. know, one thing leads to another. But, um, yeah, and so it's like it's basically um, putting putting uh, things in place that prepare our actors to sort of deal with anything that might happen and then also giving them the support from behind the scenes so that we can be there to sort of mm -hmm. um, help, you know, help alleviate any stress that might come with um, an unexpected audience member, you know, mm -hmm heckler or somebody going in the wrong room or things like that <laughs> we've done pretty well we haven't had yeah. too many issues with it over the years mm -hmm. i mean this is our ninth show um across the board between literary and theatrical and you know we've run into some stuff but nothing yeah. too crazy we've never had to kick anybody out no that's good yeah. yeah i think our yeah our audience is like we've i think at this point like we have a, a an audience base that like are transgression diehards they come to every That's show awesome. they love it and um and i think that those people being in the audience also kind of help us out by like because they know what to expect and they like sort of know the way that it goes so you know other audience members may be like relying on them like if they bring their friends and stuff like that um but it's really cool to like see people come back and come back and come back um, and sort of hear how their experience has progressed also, like as we are progressing. Yeah, they've, they've literally gotten to watch us grow from being running a, being clueless, <laughs> clueless, there wow. we go, and running, uh, <laughs> running the first one. I mean, we literally didn't have any idea what we were doing when we started this. We didn't, we didn't have any idea. I mean, we just were like, okay, we'll do this thing, put people in rooms and mm -hmm. costume, sure, you know, and I mean, that, that's the, also been the rad thing about Atlanta because so many people have come out of the woodwork to work with us and help us. Um, you know, Katie Culp, who originally was, uh, she worked at Southeast Costume Company. She basically said when we were doing the first clue in 2015, she goes, you have to let me costume this. <laughs> You have to have costumes. Mm -mm. Trust me, and that <laughs> that kicked so off. Right. Yeah, and that kicked so off right. a relationship with uh, Southeast Costume Company, which is um, they've costumed most of our shows, you know. And so it's it's just stuff like that. People like that, and having other just set decorators and other folks to step in and work with us. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting once you kind of put the ball in motion. People are just like, oh, something to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I would love to help. You yeah. know, so especially if it's if it's actually interesting and it's yeah. not. You know, it's kind of out of the ordinary. Um, it, there has been like this kind of interesting shift in theater where it has like a lot more things that become more immersive and mm -hmm. kind of interactive. Yeah, um, and I think that comes with, you know, just sort of um, technology changing things. Um, people, you know, I think even in film we're seeing, uh, you know, a lot more, a lot of action movies, a lot of like, pe I think people's 
um, attention span <laughs> might be like changing, right? So um, a theater constantly has to reinvent itself. I mean, theater is one of the oldest art forms in the world, right? So um, to have something sort of move through the times, you kind of do have to reinvent it. So we see now like things like VR being worked into um, productions and, you know, and, and people like moving on their feet and like even even if it isn't a traditional theater or black box or proscenium, there's projection being used and lighting being used in new ways. So, you know, it's constantly reinventing itself, I think, for new audiences and trying to figure out how to get younger people sort of involved and um, interested um, in the craft. So, you know, I it's kind of like any product, really. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. um, you're competing for attention. Right. So how can I convince you that you need to go to this mansion and watch Clue? Mm -hmm. I'll convince you by making it crazy, you mm -hmm. know, and you're, you're in the show. Like, you get to hang out with the detective. Like, that's going to be, like, more interesting I think if you did a, a clue stage show, people would like love that as well. But if I'm like, you can go in here and find a clue and hand it to the detective yeah. and then talk to you about the clue you just found. People are like, holy shit, that's awesome, you know. And, I, and it's, it's competing. And I think, I think almost like um, transgression is almost like it's almost like an internal dare we have, where when you're doing these, it's okay. Well, we just had a sword fight between Captain Hook and Peter Pan in our last show and an old pirate ship restaurant, how are we going to do bigger and better than that? we got to go bigger. So it's like every show, in my mind, I'm thinking, we got to blow this up. It's going to be bigger than the last one. <laughs> we'll one-up ourselves. One. Yeah, because otherwise it just get boring. Right. You know, at least it would be boring for me. <laughs> if we took a step back at this point, I'd be like, really? Yeah. Wait, this shit needs to be crazier, guys. Yeah. Come on. yeah, and we still kind of skirt an interesting line of theater and literary worlds, right? So, you know, I work in traditional theater a lot and it's, the process is a completely different, you know, and I have to say that to the actors when they sign up for this. It's, you know, I say this is going to be very different than your regular rehearsal processes. This is not like your normal, you know, show. So, <clears throat> um, to me, that's kind of, we've kind of created our own way of doing things and, which makes it fun because there are no rules really, right? So we can do sort of uh, things innovatively or in a way that works for us that m might not necessarily work in another production. Um, and I think we, you know, it's, we always uh, talk about how hard it is to explain our process to like somebody who's just starting to work out with us because it is so specific to what we do. Um, but you know it works for us and um we're finding more and more like ways of uh sort of working that into um like the next show and the next show and making it as smooth as possible yeah, and just learning all are, the time and we've gotten away we're farther ahead on any on this show than we have been in any other show in terms of process mm -hmm. you know we, yeah. we do learn and we do apply to the next one i think this one's going to be the, it's the biggest show, but it's going to be the least stressful to pull off, <laughs> where other shows have been Aww. extremely stressful because we just didn't have those processes in place. We didn't have the experience. You're not stressed? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we got rehearsal well, spaces. Yeah. We got tech week figured out. You know, I mean, I'm stressed on a certain level, but people are buying tickets. It's a and, good stress. Yeah, it's I mean, a anticipation, I think, more right. so than yeah, stress. Yeah, not worrying, but just like... Preparing. We, yeah, it's just, we are way more prepared. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, 
And, you know, here's the thing. We always make it happen. <laughs> we always pull it off. And, and that's the thing with experience is that, like, yeah. okay, I'm, uh, you know, I know it takes a lot of work, but I know that we're going to pull it off because mm -hmm. we have in the past and, you know, yeah. we understand yeah. all the nuts and bolts. and Got and no choice, really. We've got, yeah, exactly. We've got, we've got actors in a room, so <laughs> something's yeah. going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> we've already sold tickets, so people are, people are coming. And that's, that's actually, like, the, the cutoff point for me. It's like you can, you can turn back at any point until you sell the first ticket. Right. Until you launch marketing and somebody buys a ticket. You can you can just be like, ah, you know what guys, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing this. But that's kind of the fun of it. It's a big risk, you know, and you know, and each show gets more expensive um, on our end. You know, our ticket prices have gone up, but it's really uh, our ticket prices are almost based on like a bare minimum like break even point. We try to keep our tickets as cheap as possible and as affordable for possible as, as possible so anyone can can attend, yeah. you know. And uh, that's the funny thing. I mean, our shows keep getting more expensive to produce. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, a, a, based on uh, you know our ticket price of forty dollars for this one, you know, you go up to New York. I mean, you want to go see Sleep No More? That shit's going to cost you two hundred bucks on a Friday night, right? You know, so it's like, right. and uh, you know, we're we're working up to being that glorious. We're not in a five-story hotel mm -hmm. quite yet, but yeah. one day. Uh, I think that's we'll one of the cool thing. things about being in, in Atlanta right now is there is a lot of like kind of inventive, innovative things going on that like people are still experimenting with. So you kind of you gotta get to see like what could be the next two hundred dollar show. But totally, for, for yeah. Bucks, I know? think Atlanta is really unique in that way that <clears throat> there is so much opportunity here. So um, you know we have a lot of resources sort of at our fingertips but also we kind of have to like be very resourceful mm -hmm. <laughs> at the same time where you know we might not have space so you know let's rehearse in a yoga studio and that's what we're you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's kind of finding ways to make things happen um like creatively um and the audience is here for it, right? So we have a lot of people who are interested and who will support the arts here. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, finding the methods <laughs> to it. And yeah, there's it's it's cool because you can do a lot here, um, and it's not too inundated with other, you know, uh, or oversaturated with other arts things. Atlanta is really amazing in the sense that it wants to have such an amazing culture that the people show up for it because they want it. And, so, and, and they understand that, hey, if you want to see another transgression, we better go to this one, you know, and the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and it's really, it's because of them that we're able to grow and get better. And that's, and, and it's like that for all of the arts in Atlanta. The more the people show up, the bigger and better it can get. Exactly. Yeah, it seems there's like less of a barrier between like, like y'all are doing an immersive play, but and so you get to interact with the actors. But just kind of in general, there's less of a barrier. There's not, um, I don't know, it just seems a lot more accessible. Yeah, I think we have places. to be that way too, you know what I mean? It's like spaces like, even like bakery, you know, we, it's, a lot of us are doing DIY work, you know, which I think has, um, it, it is accessible and that's sort of, one of the draws to it, right? It's like there isn't like some um, establishments like may feel a little pretentious if you don't do art, you know what I mean, or if you don't go to like museums all the time. It might be something that you're not comfortable with, but you know, I fe feel like there are all of these different things happening here that are for everyone, right? And so it's you can go and experience it, and 
not feel out of place or feel like you're not smart enough to get what's happening in the room you know I think that's a really special thing um, when making art is to consider that yeah absolutely uh, you know because as, as I've spent more time like going to galleries and going to things and and then being a part of the bakery and, mm -hmm. and mammal and stuff like that so you kind of realize how much of um, so much of the art world is kind of a facade it's mm -hmm. like this you know that's to me or what I've seen is like the big difference is that perception of being like you know low culture versus high culture mm -hmm. is you know just how it's dressed up in a lot exactly, of ways exactly it is you know. it's how it's dressed up um, which is behind so the scenes is always the kind it's of the always same. It's the same. It's yeah. the same people too. It's exactly. The same. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the people who are working in those DIY spaces that are doing the installs for those big. Yeah. <laughs> for those big. We're just like, know, hey, I, we'll just make this a little bit cheaper so our friends can come, but yeah. we'll just do the same thing, you know. Yeah. 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 And it's good. I mean, that it does appeal to different people too. So you know, but you know, I personally, I want to make things that appeal to enough you know di to all people so that I have you know um, I can attract different audience members mm -hmm. you know and mm, to me that's a success if, the, if if we're able to do that you know if we're able to make space for people <coughs> who can't afford $40 tickets and then you know have um, events where for people who can't afford $40 tickets as well like though that's important to me you know, and also paying the artists <laughs> too. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's a big thing. The biggest thing for us is that if you work with transgression, you get paid, and that was always why our model uh, um, it grows slowly. You know, <laughs> we, we figure out ways to like, okay, we got to pay these people if they're going to be here, yeah. and uh, you know, it's it's not a lot. I've heard it's decently competitive, but uh, <laughs> hey, we do our best, and it's like. Like this time, I have a stage manager, Maddie Faye, and I'm very excited. I'm so they excited are, about that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like a huge thing because normally it's like me directing, producing, last one I've also performed in, but also stage managing in a way. And that is very difficult to do while there's 60 it's people. A lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. Hats I only yeah. have one head. And <laughs> there's I had one run, hat on it now. I had to run the sound for the last show, you know. Yeah. And, and it is cool as we do grow, you know, because we, we have an assistant director, a stage manager. We, um, he runs the tech as well. And it's, it's kind of cool because it allows us to kind of sit in our sweet spots more. Yeah. You know, as a co-writer of the show and as, as a person who handles all the marketing, you know, allowing myself to be able to focus on the marketing and do that is yeah. nice. It's fun. That's what I want to do. You right. know, it's, uh, so it's cool to have people that want to step in and work with us. You did do a really good job running sound though. It was pretty good. I was, I was, uh, I was Tinkerbell in, uh, yes. in that show. So, uh, you know, when Pete's, Pete, old Pete, Pete Pan, <laughs> when old Peter Pan's talking to Tink, that's that was what we me. call him, Pete yeah. Pan. <laughs> we're on, we're very close at this point. Nice. Well, cool. Is there anything else that y'all want to mention um, for for people that are looking to come, or anything to expect, or Mr. Marketing Man? Yeah, Mr. Marketing Man. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what's really cool is that Transgression actually has a website now. Yeah, we didn't that's have a very we didn't have one for a very long time. So it's just uh, transgressionatl.com. And what's cool about that is not only do you get to see what's going on with this show, but you also get to uh, get a little bit of history. And so all the shows that we've ever done are listed with a little bit of a blurb and mm -hmm. uh, 
nice piece of photography to go along with it so you can kind of see, you know, what the hell yeah. transgression is. And, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so uh, just to give you a quick breakdown, the show is obviously at the Swan House, and it's going to be in January 2019. And uh, the dates are the 17th, 18th, and 19th, which is the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the, the second weekend is the 24th, 25th, and 26th. But the 26th has already sold out. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, you can go to Transgression, mm -hmm. um, transgressionatl.com. There's ticket links there. It's probably the easiest way to go. A big thanks to Elizabeth Jarrett and John Carroll for sitting down with us and talking about Transgression's play adaptation of Clue. This episode of State of the Matter was recorded in Death Box Studios, located at the Bakery Atlanta. Our theme music this month was written and performed by Yams Club. We have a ton of new content coming to y'all this year, so check it out at plasmag.com. Cheers.